Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. What's up, everyone? Thanks for dropping into another episode here on the Path to Freedom podcast. Uh, Today, I'm joined by John Madsen, and John is the CEO and founder of Superhuman. Um, You can probably see if you're watching this, I'm wearing a Superhuman shirt. Uh, So I found John, I don't even remember, John, how I came across Superhuman, but I'm sure it was an Instagram ad or something like this. And this was probably November of last year, and I was not in great shape and you know, not feeling good about that. Right. And I knew I needed to to make a change and, you know, your message hit me at the right time and, and it was the right message for me. And uh, so I'm a client and I've been a client since uh, the beginning of the year started in January and, um, you know, lost about 35 pounds, put on some muscle, feeling a lot better uh, than I was when I first saw your ad uh, have a long ways to go, no doubt, but I've learned a lot and it, and it extends far beyond just fitness as well. Uh, which is one of the reasons I really wanted to have you as a a guest on the podcast. So, you know, with that, thank you for being here. Um, if you don't mind, maybe just, you know, share a little bit with the audience, you know, what is superhuman and, and then from there, I want to give you a chance to share a little bit of your story because it's a, it's a fascinating story of kind of how you got to where where you are now building the superhuman brand. Yeah, man. No, thank you for uh, seeing that ad. And thank you for coming into my ecosystem. I love the shirt on you, man. You're doing great. So thanks for having me on your show. I want to provide as much value as possible, man. So I, I started superhuman essentially three years ago. That was kind of the the it wasn't the launch of my online fitness company. We launched about two years prior to that under a different entity name. But okay. as it started to grow, it wasn't going to be something that had enterprise value. The name was athletic as bleep. I don't know if I can swear on your show. And so yeah. it, it started it started <laughs> rolling. But I quickly realized that as cultish as the name was and how many people liked it, I'm like, that doesn't really have the enterprise value that I'm going for. So we switched And uh, this superhuman brand has been about three years old. And so we've scaled from there. Essentially, you nailed it. Like my message is for the entrepreneurs, it's for the CEOs, it's for the C-suite executives that value their time over their money. They are busy making money. They have families, they live a good life, but they've always uh, not had the body that quite matches their lifestyle. And I think that that's a ridiculous proposition because- uh, a lot of these guys are are working as hard as I work out in the gym. They're putting as much time as I put in the gym, but they're just not efficient. And so yeah. my company has some of the best coaches in the world. We pair each person up with a one-on-one coach. Some of our coaches have PhDs, master's degrees. The education is is can't be met in this sort of business. And uh, we just help, you know, hold people relentlessly accountable. 
right, to, the, to their goals. And we're known in the space for not mediocre results, but epic transformations. I love transformation. I just think there's so much carryover in, in fitness to business. And so I'm kind of an anomaly. I love fitness, but I also love business. And I've been able to talk about both in my messaging and attract people like you. So Superhuman is a fitness company. I, you know, if you look up Superhuman in the dictionary, it's going to say above and beyond uh, a person having above and beyond the powers of a normal human being. And I'm like, I walk around and I, I get excited about becoming everything that I could become and not settling for mediocrity. Yeah, I love it, man. And and the message is spot on. And, you know, one of your tagline is, is go get what's yours. And, and I know that's resonated with me. And, you know, everything that you and the coaches on your team talk about is, you know, becoming the most elite version of yourself. And that's not, you know, to really be that that's not just in one or two areas of your life, it's got to be, you know, well rounded. And, you know, so that was me, like we own businesses and, you know, we'd been working really hard for five or six years, you know, building businesses and, and I'd kind of let myself go right. And the, the, you know, money was starting to happen and all of that was good. And, you know, family life was pretty good, but the, the health and fitness piece wasn't there. And, and I'm that guy that wasn't like not trying, like I was working out. And like, one of the things I've told a few people, uh, you know, since I've started getting results with, with superhuman is like, it's, it's been interesting to me that like the workouts I do now are in a lot of ways easier, you know, easier in the sense that like, you know, I'm not killing myself at five o'clock in the morning, flipping a tire or going crazy with battle ropes or, you know, doing a bunch of burpees and stuff. It's, it's a smarter way to get the results. And that's, I was just not, I was lacking, you know, the knowledge and the information. I had no clue on the nutrition side, you know, so that's been a huge part of me getting results was, was dialing in the nutrition piece of it, but, you know, building muscle and stuff in conjunction with all of that, I just wasn't going at it the right way, but it wasn't for lack of trying. Um, and I think that's how probably a lot of the, the people in superhuman were, it wasn't like they were, you know, a hundred pounds overweight and, and hadn't, tried working out in, in a decade, it was just, they weren't going about it the right way. And I mean, the, the trainers that you've, you know, brought together under superhuman are world-class, uh, Ryan Stevens, my trainer, he's the man. Um, and I know you've got a lot of other guys and, and girls that, um, are, are top of their game. So, you know, you, you mentioned something earlier that that's a big part of why I wanted to have you on the show and how, you know, mindset, and fitness really are, are key components of being successful as an entrepreneur. And that's something that you've done a really good job, in my opinion, of with Superhuman, because, you know, it's almost like a mastermind in addition to the one-on-one -on -one coaching and training, you know, that's more of the nutrition and, and the focus. So like I'm part of, uh, I think it was the CEO group when I first signed up and, and is it the elite group now? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like we have a weekly call. And, you know, you get on and usually share, you know, a, a couple of nuggets and, and some things that, you know, you're learning and it's awesome. But then we open it up. And I mean, some of the people in that group are just, you know, top of their game, you know, in whatever line of work they're in. So that's been really valuable too. where did the where did the motivation to, you know, really turn this into more of a community than just 
hey, let's sign people up, match them up with a trainer, and then on to the next. Yeah, I think that, you know, weight loss is everywhere, right? There's no shortage of weight loss companies. 95% of people in America need to lose weight. And so there's weight loss here. There's weight loss drugs there. There's coaches here and fitness programs over here, gyms and all this stuff. And even if a person loses weight, 95% of them gain it all back, right? And so I knew that and I didn't want to just be another weight loss company. I wanted to attract people who were cut cut from the same cloth as me. And what I mean by that is I think I've created a community of people who like to win mm-hmm. and a lot of them have won in business. And so when I, when I, I'm very careful with my words and my messaging and my advertising, because I don't want to attract the person that is laying on the couch eating pop tarts. It's just not my audience. Right. Yeah. And I, and I don't want to waste my time trying to convince a person that they should lose weight. And so I see a lot of people in my industry waste a lot of time trying to convince a person that they they should get off the couch and stop eating Pop-Tarts. I don't do that. I just, I, I say, look, if you like to win in business and you, you've won in business and you have that nice house in the suburbs and your kids go to private schools or really good schools and you get out of the Benz and the Beamer and your life is good, but you go to Cabo and you take off your shirt and you have this twinge of embarrassment and you work so hard to get to the vacation, wouldn't you just rather fully enjoy the hell out of that vacation and not have that twinge of embarrassment to take off your shirt? That's stupid. And so I don't promise weight loss. My, my promise is excellence. And I think because that's the core, the common theme of the messaging, the, the culture keeps people in because now we have a group of people who love winning and it's good for business, right? I don't want people to come in and then drop out. It's not that I don't want to teach people and empower them to, that they can do fitness on their own. They can. And if a person comes in and works and does our stuff for a year, they don't need us anymore. But what I've wanted to do is create a place where they want to keep being a part of it because people keep pushing them to new levels. And so then we have an average lifetime value that far exceeds anybody else because people stay in our program longer because it's not just, Hey, I'm going to help you lose 20 pounds. And then you're out. That's what average fitness companies do. We're not average. We, we keep people in because we have this championship culture that's been curated. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's genius. I mean, you know, I work in franchising and I work with a lot of fitness brands and, you know, they're all brick and mortar uh, type concepts, but you know, that's the biggest challenge that most of them have is the churn, you know, and and some of them like an orange theory fitness, like they've got the marketing dialed in, they know how to get people in, they know how to get people signed up. But, you know, they tend to struggle with retention. And, you know, you're measuring lifetime value of a customer, you're measuring retention rates and stuff. And, and that's where those businesses become really, really challenging, especially as that it gets, noisier and noisier out there with all of these different options. And there's always kind of a, a new shiny, you know, fitness concept popping onto the scene that people want to go try. And uh, so to me, it makes a lot of sense that you've been very intentional about kind of, you know, curating this culture of excellence and, and finding ways to add value to your, your clients beyond just teaching them the, the fitness and the nutrition Um, cause like, I mean, I can say for me, like, I'm not, I'm not done. I'm not where I need to be 
yet in terms of my fitness goals. But, you know, once I get there, I, I don't see me, you know, wanting to, to bow out of superhuman just because of the value that I get. And I haven't even fully taken advantage. I mean, you've got live events going on, you're bringing in, you know, other world-class speakers on mindset and, um, you know, like biohacking type stuff. I mean, there's, there's a lot of value there. Uh, I mean, I've even done some business with, with someone else in the group, you know, that I think that commonality really set the stage for, uh, for there to be enough trust there for, for him to work with me. So tons of, you know, I think continued benefit when you've been so intentional in, in building the culture, the way that you have. And, you know, you mentioned your marketing, like, I know you take some heat online because you're very, very specific about who you want to work with. Right. And I think you even give some, you know, some income requirements, um, which I think is great. I mean, I think too many companies try to be everything to everyone and, and then they end up being, you know, average at best. And you've gotten really, really clear on who it is you want to help, who it is you want to work with. And you're, you're kind of shameless in terms of saying, look, this is who this company's for. If you're not in this category, there's a lot of other options that are probably going to be a better fit for you. Yeah. It's like, I've, I've, I've now have the the cape of the villain of the, the fitness industry, right? Because <laughs> there's two types of mindsets in the world. This is what this has taught me. Cause I've had to, I've had to really consider this. There's a scarcity mindset and there's an abundant mindset. And my messaging really, really, really triggers a person that has a scarcity mindset. Yeah. So like, fitness is free. You shouldn't like, like, what, what do you mean you have to have a financial requirement? Right. And it's like, well, I'm a business. I don't like to waste time. And I want a specific type of clientele because that's, that's who we serve. That's how we, you know, that's, that's how we're customizing the programs. These guys are busy. They're not trying to win fitness competitions or do bodybuilding competitions or go win powerlifting competitions. They are entrepreneurs and C-suite people who want to make a lot of money and have fitness be the most efficient thing in their world. And just like I don't cut my own grass or clean my own house or change my own breaks, these people are like, I value my time over my money. John, just tell me exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it. I want to put skin in the game because I want to be held accountable to it because, damn it, I want to go to Cabo and be jacked and rich at the same time. That's my client. And so uh, I, I unapologetically, I think, wear that cape because I'm a person that I really like money too, yeah. right? And so pe some people have a, have a hard time with money. So my clients... Our clients who love who who really like money and don't have a scarcity mindset. I really like money and don't have a scarcity mindset. And so that abundant mindset is just like they see it and they're like, I'm in, right? And then 97% of people are like, I hate this guy. Who is he to have an income requirement on fitness? And I get, you know, hate mail and all types of, you know, death threats sometimes. And it really triggers people. And I'm like, I'm not even trying to be triggering. I'm just telling the truth about who I'm for. And uh, yeah, I take a lot of heat. I take a lot of heat, but I also, you know, my bank account is full every day too. So it's all good. Well, and I, I sense you're, you're having a little bit of fun with it too, but I mean, I, th I think more businesses should, should take that same approach. I mean, you know, you being a business owner, you understand the the metrics involved in your business. And, you know, it's very reliant on 
you know, having the right type of marketing and advertising and getting a certain number of people, you know, to the point of filling out a form and getting on the call with one of your salespeople. And if you're not getting the right people on the call that either can't afford it or not going to be, you know, willing to commit and move forward, you're wasting a lot of time and, and a lot of money. And like I said, I wish, I wish more businesses would. I mean, you know, when I work with people that are investigating different, different business opportunities, different franchises, you know, inevitably someone will come back and be like, yeah, well, you know, this business, I, there's a lot of things I like about it, but you know, it's kind of a niche, you know, target customer. I could see a lot of people that wouldn't be willing to pay for this. And I'm like, good, because if you really, really know exactly who your target customer is and how to get in front of them and the right messaging that's going to get them to act, that's a hell of a lot better and a lot more efficient than if you're kind of guessing or you're, you know, taking the shotgun approach and, and trying to market to everyone. Um, so I'm curious because, because I want you to share a little bit of your story too, because you've got a really cool story, um, you know, played in the NFL for, for a little while. Um, you know, so you've been into fitness and, and training for most of your life at this point. Um, and then you got into kind of the fitness industry, but in a different way than, than you are with superhuman now. So instead of me trying to steal your thunder, share, share a little bit of your, your background, you know, playing football and, and then how you transition from that into to fitness in the first place. Yeah, man. So in high school, well, I, I, I was an athlete, so, you know, I'm not going to share a big, long story, but I loved basketball, baseball, football, golf, all of it. When I got to the point where I was a sophomore, uh, I was trying out for the football team. Back then, everybody made the football team in high school. You just didn't, you just couldn't quit. And so as a sophomore, the first thing that we did was we went to the weight room and it was the first time I stepped in the weight room and I got embarrassed because I was the weakest kid, like literally 95 pounds crushes my chest on a bench press. And I decide in the moment that I'm not going to play football because I was scared. I was like, dude, I'm the weakest one here. Maybe I shouldn't play football. I'll stick to basketball and baseball. So long story short, I quit football. I fell in love with training. I got connected with this personal trainer at the local uh, gym my parents paid for. And for three years straight, I showed up Monday, Wednesday, Friday night at 7 p.m. And this dude just crushed me, right? And I loved every second of it because my body changed. I became a better athlete and my confidence changed, my mind changed. And although I never played a single down of high school football, I had the confidence that when I didn't get a scholarship for basketball, I went to the to the junior college 90 minutes away from my home and I decided that I was going to walk onto the football team and I made it. And so I don't play high school football. I walk onto the junior, I mean, the junior college team. I play there for a year and then I walk, I decide that I'm going to walk on to the University of Utah, which was my childhood favorite football team. Urban Meyer was a coach. Alex yeah. Smith is a quarterback. And I walk onto that team, end up being, you know, uh, a starter, a very high draft prospect. And uh, essentially, I broke my leg with three games to go my senior year and couldn't run for 12 months. So I go from being a really high draft pick to not being drafted but I reached my dream of playing in the National Football League and played there for three years, never a star, right? I was a, I was always on the field. I was a special teams player. I scored a couple touchdowns, lived a childhood dream. And then ultimately my career started falling apart when I was about 26. I got cut from the Raiders, had a little stint with the Browns. Then um, 
essentially decided that football wasn't going to be something that I was going to pursue anymore. And then I jumped right into my second love, which was fitness. Because of that transformation that happened when I was 16 years old, I knew that there was never, there would have never been an NFL career. There were definitely would have been NFL touchdowns if I didn't fall in love with training. And so Mm -hmm. as soon as I was done with football, I went back home to Salt Lake city and opened up a performance gym. No, no business experience spent my last NFL dollar on building that facility. And 16 months later, I was, I I remember being in a lawyer's um, office deciding whether I was going to file bankruptcy and lucky for me, I bought all the equipment with my money. I didn't owe anybody money. I just had to get out of this commercial lease. So I didn't have to file BK. I just had to move. And so I moved and then I moved into a little warehouse gym that was just like a closet, rusted weights, but like it was packed with kids. And then ultimately I became well-known and I had NFL players flying out and I was training combine guys, World Series champions, training strength and conditioning was my jam for a lot of years. And uh, although I went from like little storage gym to a little bit bigger gym to a little bit bigger gym, my bank account was always empty. The gym was full. My bank account was empty. And when I was 35 years old, me and my wife gave birth to my first child. And uh, I realized that I couldn't be in the gym from 5 a.m. till 9 p.m. at night, working those hours and still have a bank account that wasn't that wasn't something that I was proud of. And so that that was where the the new entrepreneur was born because up until that point I was an artist I just wanted to be the best at what I did and uh, money wasn't really a motivating thing at that point and then um, you know at, at that point five years ago that's when that's when everything shifted for me yeah that's there's a lot that I want to kind of unpack there but it's it's such a cool story I mean you don't really think of anyone making it to the NFL they didn't play high school football um so that alone i think you know kind of demonstrates the the willpower and discipline that that you have but i think it's really interesting that you learned i think the way so many entrepreneurs learned i I know you know my wife and i've been through it with our businesses there there's a very big difference between building a business that can work for you even when you're not working or you know, in some ways, almost buying yourself a job, right? Or the way you described it, you were you were an artist, but the business really relied on you to be there. And if you weren't there, very little or nothing was was happening with the business. And, you know, as I coach people that are, you know, either looking to transition into business ownership for the first time, or, you know, in some cases, even people that have done business ownership before, but maybe not set it all up the right way. This is one of the biggest things that we talk about is, you know, what type of lifestyle are you working towards? Right. And, and obviously the, the income, the financial side of that is important, but there's also, you know, how much time do you want to put in it? What do you want to do with the rest of your time? Um, What other responsibilities do you have and want to be able to continue to prioritize Cause that's going to number one, at least in the world that I work in franchising, that's going to determine what types of businesses may or may not be a good fit. But, you know, there's also things you really need to understand and be thinking about as you're starting the business to set it up to scale and, and make sure that you don't become the bottleneck in the business. So, you know, I guess at what point did you come to the realization that, 
hey, this the the this brick and mortar, you know, physical gym kind of business that I've been in for a while, you know, this isn't the way to do it. I know, you know, your daughter being born sounds like was kind of the the catalyst to saying, hey, I've got to change some things up. But at what point did you realize that ditching the brick and mortar and, and going to more of a virtual platform was the the right direction to go in? Yeah, I think that, you know, when I first started doing the gym, strength and conditioning, like I said, was like my favorite thing to do training athletes, but there was a problem with that It was very seasonal. And so I got introduced to uh, a gentleman, Alex Hormozzi, when he just started gym launch, most people know Hormozzi now I knew him when he first I was one of the first, probably 50 people in gym launch. And so when I signed up, Layla was the setter and Alex was the closer. And so I talked to both of them, right? And obviously they're were, they were world-class salespeople at what they do. And and I learned a lot. That's when I, that was the first, that was my first time understanding that I could throw an ad out there and get people that didn't even know me walk into my gym and transact in a, in amount that I couldn't believe at the time, right? It was 500 bucks to do a, to a six week challenge. And that was like 2017, and yeah. so overnight, because that model worked so well, my gym transformed from like um, performance institute for, for kids and big time athletes to, holy shit, I'm making all this money on general pop. Let's do general pop. Yeah. And so I started just ramping general pop up. And for the first time in my, in my you know, business career, my bank account started to stack a little bit. And I was like, oh, yes, this is this is great. But I didn't have any business understanding. And so I like to your point, it just made me busier and not saying anything negative about Hormozy, that model was bringing in people that did not fit the culture, although they were transacting. And so I learned a very valuable lesson, painful lesson over the next two years. I could fill my gym up, but I couldn't keep the people in, not even because I didn't know how to build culture is because I was bringing in the wrong people. I was trying to I, I was trying to turn goldfish into sharks, right? These people just wanted to lose ten pounds. I wanted to I wanted to turn them into sharks, and so uh, I realized that that model was not going to be the model that was going to take me to where I wanted to be one day. When I walked into my gym and I walked right through the people, and I'm like, these are not my people, and I walked right back to my office, shut the door, and I didn't want to see anybody. And I thought to myself, if I if I do this again, if I stay in this industry. I'm going to build something somehow that I want to hang out with all my people. And if we, I would invite them to my house, we would go on yachts together and that that's going to be the type of people that I'm going to build my business with. And it's a different type of marketing. I was doing, I was doing effective marketing at bringing in everybody, very ineffective marketing at bringing in the people that I wanted most. And so I, I learned, I learned that lesson and when I started to do the online thing, because I could kind of see the trend, I'm like, I got I to gotta figure out something where I can get out of the physical and I can open up this message to, to way more people. And I went to a conference one time and uh, Lewis Howes was, was speaking, right? And Lewis Howes, I went and shook his hand and he had a book out and he asked me what I had done. And I knew that we would connect on a football level because he had played some football. Yeah. And he's like, dude, he heard my story and he's like, there's more than 300 people in your local town that, that needs to hear this. Like you gotta, you gotta take this wide. And I never forgot that. I, I never forgot that moment. So on the back of my head, that was a seed that was like, I'm going to take this message out there 
right? And so it was kind of marinating. And then the athletic AF thing, I, I put out a VSL and I started getting my my dream clients, right? And it started scaling really fast. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is it, right? And I started assembling a team very, very quickly. And I was juggling, you know, it felt like I was juggling 10 balls at the same time. I was doing the marketing. I was doing the sales. I was a coach for half of my people. I was trying to hire the right people and, and you know, ascend people in the company. And it got to a point where I was like, man, I, I got to, I got to really think about this structure. And one of the best moves I made was hire somebody to be that head coach yeah. whose knowledge and expertise. I mean, although I had been in the fitness industry since 2010, this guy lived, ate, breathed fitness. Like his yeah. understanding, knowledge, and able to communicate to clients exceeded mine. And so I made him the head of human performance and he started to assemble a team. And so I saw two departments emerge, which was like John's marketing and sales, once the fulfillment happens, the coaching is, is, you know, set up. But then I realized that there was a gap between the cell and the coaching. There needed to be this operational integrity that needed to be built. And so um, essentially, I built the company to do about 3.5 million bucks. At the same time, my wife was a VP in a tech company for the past seven years. My wife's a baller, right? And she would kind of look in and be like, oh, you're doing awesome, right? She was a very high paid VP. And uh, my whole thing was like, she was working her face off. And I'm like, I want to make it so that she doesn't have to work. And so we got to a point about 18 to 24 months ago, where I'm like, you don't really have to work anymore. Like we're doing, we're doing fine. And so she's like, Oh, you know, awesome. She can take a breath, but she's not built like that. Yeah. So she takes a breath for about two weeks, she starts poking around in my business. And she's like, where are you housing this data? Like, what is this? Yeah. Where's your this and come so fix she, some of this clean clean bro, some of this and she, yeah and i was and she's just like oh my god like you guys built this on quicksand like i gotta <laughs> fix all this stuff and at first like it was hard for us to work together because i thought she was just you know taking shots at what i had built and so she comes into the business and starts acting as almost that coo she's yeah. 50 50 50 co-owner in this business so she built it to scale. And so a lot of people, you know, they have my face because I'm kind of the marketer and she's a little bit behind the scenes, but I'll tell you there's, she's probably the most underestimated business person, male or female that I know. She came in and built highways before the cars were there. And it was expensive for me at first. I was like, well, you're just spending money, right? Like we're losing profitability by you coming yeah. in here doing this stuff. But she had the vision of what this company was going to be. And so when the, then the marketing and sales caught back up and now we're just, we're explosive in our growth and we don't miss a beat, right? We're talking, it's 11 o'clock my time, you know, and we've probably had five brand new people sign up for, you know, 50 grand before 11 a.m. in a single day. And that's, that's normal, right? And I'm on here on a podcast an hour before this, I was on a wealth management meeting and it doesn't make me any more busy. So to your point, we have a freedom business now where yeah. I'm in my role as the message and the departments are built out. And it's like, mostly John, don't come in here and, and blow stuff up. Like yeah, you just see and get out of the way. And I'm like, I can't well, take all the credit. I think that, you know, my, my wife Nineveh has just been, the piece that I was missing when she came in, it changed everything.
If you're listening to this podcast, then there's a good chance that you're looking to create more freedom in your own life. There's also a good chance that you realize that owning your own business can be a great way to take more control of your livelihood and create more of that freedom that we're all looking for. Also, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you realize that I specialize in franchise ownership. In addition to owning franchise businesses myself, I have a franchise consulting firm, Path to Freedom, where I help people navigate what is typically an overwhelming process of understanding franchising, identifying specific franchise companies that could be a fit, and then conducting the due diligence in a thorough and efficient manner with those franchise brands. My whole purpose here is to leverage my experience working for franchisors, owning franchises myself, and how we've been able to use that to create more freedom in our lives and help you determine if that could be a path that makes sense for you as well. So if any of this sounds interesting, if you've considered business ownership in the past, whether you've explored franchising specifically or not, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to learn more about you and what it is that you're working towards in your life and determine if I may be in a position to help. A great starting point is the link below in the show notes, which will take you to a short form to fill out and you'll receive a free copy of an ebook that I've put together, The Seven Steps to Freedom Through Franchise Ownership. That'll also get us connected and I'd love to set up an introductory call where I can explain a little bit more about the process that I use to help people determine if franchise ownership could be a great way to start charting their own path to freedom. So click the link below in the show notes, receive the ebook, and let's get connected. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, I don't know if you've ever come across the book Traction uh, by Gino Wickman, but it's exactly, you know, what he talks about, you know, every business needs the visionary, right? But then they also need the integrator, which is more of that operational person that knows how to connect the dots to make the vision a reality. And like I'm, my wife and I have seen this in, in our businesses where, you know, she's the the brains and the beauty of of our little operation. And she, for sure, you know, is more of that operational mindset. Whereas, you know, I'm thinking 10, 15 years ahead and have a pretty clear picture of what we're building, but I don't have a clue how to make the details happen that are going to be necessary to get there. So um, that makes a lot of sense, but it's also like you're now able to spend essentially all of your time in the areas where you can add the most value, right? Because you've got the story that resonates with the clientele that you're marketing to, right? You've learn this marketing game. Um, I mean, you're, you're a presence, right? I mean, you know, you do a podcast that I know generates a lot of, you know, leads or prospects for the business. Like that's a really, really good use of your time. And I think that's where a lot of business owners screw up is they don't understand where their time is best spent. Um, mentor mine used to always call it HPAs, high payoff activities. You got to figure out what are your high payoff activities and try to spend at least 80% of your time on those. You know, there's always going to be some stuff that, you know, you don't want to do or not, you know, quite in your wheelhouse, but, you know, delegate as much or all of that as you can, as quickly as you can. I'm curious, you know, having gone through what so many entrepreneurs do, where you kind of built the business around you, 
to to then pivoting, you know, going to more of an online virtual setting, you know, hiring someone to run the the coaching side of it, you know, bringing your wife in, was it hard to let go of of some of these things that in the past you'd been wearing all the hats and and kind of controlling? Um, was that difficult at times? You know, it's interesting. I was having this conversation with a couple of my buddies, and and I think that they they have mentioned that they felt guilty when they weren't working. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. There was a guilt when they removed themselves. Is like, oh, I shouldn't be playing golf on a Friday afternoon, or I shouldn't be doing X, Y, or working out at noon. Um, and I don't, I don't have that. I had that a little bit when I had my physical gym when I took myself out of the training. It was hard for me to like, to, to allow another trainer to, to touch, you know, have the touch points for the client clientele. And I think I got over that though. I think that I, I was forced to get over that then where now I'm so happy that I don't have to do the stuff that I don't want to do. Like my role, I'm very happy and set in my role. And I just realized that there was a time, there's a time and place where, if I'm going to use a sports analogy and if I'm, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, there's some, there's some rich players on the field, but the richest person is up in the box, Jerry Jones. Right. And so I started to think about my company and I'm like, I'm not Dak Prescott anymore. Right. I'm not, I'm not um, a player. I'm not the star on the team. What I am is I'm Jerry Jones and I'm going to hire the head coaches and then I'm going to have them, find the players. And I I use that analogy in my head to realize that if I really wanted to create a lifestyle that I was excited about, the whole reason for money, in my opinion, I see it on your uh, painting right above is freedom. I use my money to buy freedom, right? Freedom to me is is the ultimate. And so I realized that I wasn't going to be able to buy freedom if I was always the star on the field. So I had no problem transitioning and finding and hiring the best possible people. And because I had this abundant mindset, my it, it's kind of like you mentioned churn a while back. And it's not only churn from clients, it's also churn from employees. Definitely. So I, I realized that I wanted to be premium in the marketplace, premium pricing, premium product. And because it's premium, I can pay people double what they were getting paid give them benefits, and I can recruit far and wide to find the best people possible. So if a person comes in today and they sign up for my program, there's a good chance their one-on-one coach has a PhD. Yeah, And it's like, look, I don't have a PhD, but I hired and found that person to come into my company because we're premium, right? And so because we're premium, it keeps clients in and it also keeps the best employees in. And so, um, because nothing's not n- nothing would be less freedom than if you had a company that was constantly building up and then you know come tumbling back down and so you know I, that was a long-winded answer to your question but i built this company very intentionally so that i didn't have to be the star on the field so that i could have that freedom that i wanted yeah that's amazing where where do you really see the the intersection of mindset fitness and you know financial success whether that be you know in building a business or you know even just being a high performer that that works for someone else um 
and maybe another way to ask the question is like, why should someone who's doing really well financially, why should they get themselves in better shape? And and how is that going to really help them continue to excel in every other aspect of their life? Yeah, it's interesting because I used to have this belief that how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I realized that that was false because I was running around a bunch of rich people that wore Rolexes that were fat. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, it, it obviously didn't translate, right? The mindset yeah. from the business didn't translate. Why? And I'm like, well, they don't love fitness. They have no desire for it, but they have a lot of desire for money or status, right? So it's like, therefore, they're very disciplined in their business and they're very undisciplined in their fitness. And so I realized though that these same people, if they were the, if they were to buy a $40,000 Rolex, who buys, like, why would you buy a Rolex? And nobody status. buys it to, to tell time. Yeah. Status. Nobody yeah. that buys, yeah. Nobody that buys a Rolex does it to tell time. You ask a person and it's usually not even wound because they barely wear them. And they're like, they're like, oh, it's not wound. They check their phone. Yeah. It's like, you're wearing totally. a $40,000 watch on your wrist. Why? Yeah. And they consider it. Right. And if they're honest with themselves, it's a status thing. Yeah. That's why people have fast car. I look, I drive a Lambo and a G Wagon and a Porsche. I, I like status. Right. And I also like watches. But these guys that had the status accessories forgot that their most valuable and, and most powerful status play is not a watch or car that they could buy, but it's the business, it's the body that they wear 24 7. And I think like when I hit them with that message, they realize that as good as they are in business, imagine how much better if they walked into a room and their peers and their competition saw no weakness. It's like yeah. they walk into a room with the presence and the watch and drive the car. I don't care, but come out a jack mother effer yeah. and be rich at the same time. And I paint that picture for them and they're like, yeah, shit, I want that. I forgot about that, man. And they forgot about it because they're married. They have good kids. They they love their wife. And they're like, why, why do I need a six pack? I don't need it anymore. It's like, well, why do you need that watch? Right? You're trying to peacock people because that's what men do. But let's peacock them with the real thing and, and show up with a presence. And so um, not, not only that, beyond status, right? I always use another analogy, which is a lot of these guys come in stressed out. They're burning the candle at both ends. Yep. I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to say anything catastrophic is going to happen to them in the future, but they're, they're going down a very shaky path. And when you're 45, 50, 55 years old, you start to think about, Hey, I got this business, but what if I'm no longer here? What's going to happen to my family? And there's this longevity play. And so inherently they know like, hey, man, I better get my health in order so that I can take care of the people I love most for a lot longer time. Because the way I'm living my life with the alcohol and the food is not looking good, right? Yeah. And if we want to take it even like if a person's not in terrible shape, it's just like imagine if you're already doing good in business, if you were treating your body like a supercar with premium fuel, complete optimization, mental clarity, and your focus is on point, right? Your health is optimized. How much longer and how much farther will you go versus the guy who's stressed out and burnt out? And so there's a couple different ways to look at how that intersection of fitness and business can happen. I always say, look, if you're not fit and you do great at business, 
watch what happens when you get fit. That focus will have carryover and you'll do even better. Totally. Uh, and and uh, more confidence too, right? Like right. whether someone wants to admit it or not, like they're going to feel more confident. They're going to feel better about themselves if they're in really good shape. Right. And then that's going to carry over to, to every aspect of your life. And, you know, whether you show up for a meeting or you're talking with a prospect or, or, you know, a potential business partner or whatever, like people notice, you know, if you're, yeah. if you walk into the room like a savage and you've got this presence or, you know, if you walk into the room, like someone that doesn't really take care of themselves that much, or, or it's like, you know, the fourth or fifth priority on their list. Um, even if it's not conscious, subconsciously, People notice that shit and and it's going to make an impact one way or the other. And one of the things I've heard you say, you know, numerous times, and I just never really quite thought about it this way, you know, because you talk about the watches, the cars, the vacations, you know, all of that. All of that can be bought. You can't yeah. buy, you know, your your body that you walk around in. You know, you can pay for like a program like Superhuman which you is gotta do the work. higher in, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta pay for it with the time and the work that you're putting into it and, and the discipline, you know, not anyone, but there's a lot of people that can just swipe a Amex and, and get a Rolex, you know? So if we really think about it is that like, what's more of a status symbol, like walking around in elite shape or, you know, flashing a watch that's, you know, not necessarily all that exclusive. Yeah. You know, people want to act like the game doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. The game exists, whether we're playing it or not. Right. So for some people's like status, that game is BS. Like, and they don't like, they don't like knowing that you're getting judged in four seconds or less, regardless, before yeah. you shake a hand or open up your mouth, you're getting chopped up, generalized, distorted, deleted, and put in a box in four seconds or less. The, the losers of the game act like the game doesn't exist. So they're like, I don't care. That doesn't matter. The status yeah. doesn't matter. The winners of the game, if they think about it and really understand it, will understand the influence and persuasion. If you're a master of those two things, your life is far easier. Your life is far, far easier in business. Your life is far, far easier if you're trying to find a mate. Your life is far, far easier if you're trying to join a social circle, right? And totally. so if you realize that and you're like, I have four seconds to make an impression, it's the first thing per a person notices is your presence. And yep. that can be fit, that can be fixed no matter where you're at or if you're 50 pounds overweight or not right now, within 12 months, your presence can be changed. And if your presence is changed, your persuasion and your influence is changed. And when you change those things, everything is changed. And so I, I don't know why I think about the game like, like I do. But because I do, it, it's my it's it's truth to me. And whether a people if whether a person wants to play the game or not is irrelevant. But I know winners are playing the game. And when they hear that message, they're like, dude, he's right. I might not like it, yeah. but he's right. And I want to experience life like that. Well, I mean, look, I was I was probably a little bit like that when I first started with with superhuman. I was that guy that was like, look, I don't really give a shit if I have a six pack or not like. I've got kids. I want to be around for a long time. I want to have the energy to, you know, be a good dad, not be the lazy dad. Uh, you know, I want to have the energy to to keep building the businesses and just not not spread myself too thin. And 
all of those things are still incredibly important to me. But now I'm like, you know what? I want the six pack too. Like I want to get jacked and I want people to look at me. And it's been really cool. I think you, I think you talked a little bit about this on your, your call that you did yesterday, but you know, you kind of get a little bit hooked to it. Like once you start seeing some progress and you start getting the comments from people like, damn, what are you doing? Like, uh, you know, you're looking really good since the last time I saw you like that for me, at least has kind of, you know, fueled the, the fire a little bit, but you know, I think it's, it's giving yourself permission to win and essentially just like with money, right? Like, you know, you were talking earlier, how a lot of people have a messed up relationship with money and they almost somehow feel bad if they're doing well financially, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I just want to be in as good a shape as I can look as good as I can. Doesn't mean that has to be your only motivation, but there's nothing wrong with that being a driver for you. And, um, you know, we get one life, we get one body, like it, it should be the, the number one thing that, you know, you're, you're focused on trying to optimize. And I think somehow, you know, that's almost become like a, a, a taboo type of thing, right. To say, Hey, yeah, I want to, I want to get jacked. I want to have a six pack or, or, you know, being, being elite shape. Dude, it, I always say that one of the things that bothers me bothers me the most about society is virtuous reasons. Yeah, yeah. And I, like virtue yeah. is a good word, but I, I see it like I see virtuous reasons in fitness and money all the time. Mm-hmm. Right, a virtuous reason would be like like you just said, hey, I want to want to be around for a long time. I want to get healthier. You know, I want to be around for my kids. I want to be a role model. All good reasons. I'm not saying they don't exist and don't have any emotional like pull. But if they were really emotional, you would have already been there. You were, would have already done those things. So it, it can't yeah. matter that much, right? Yeah. And so as soon as a person puts their virtuous reasons aside and say, okay, like I can I can feel good about those reasons and get to the real reason, which is I want to be fucking jacked and rich. How's that? How's that for like a real honest answer of what I want my life to look like? And yeah, that and motivated like- person. I want to get jacked so I can beat up bad guys and I want to be rich so I can, you know, help the hungry children. Like if you want to do those things, great, but it can just be like, no, I want to be jacked because I like the way people look at me if I'm jacked and I want to be rich because I like nice things and I want control of my time and and my schedule and I want to live life the way I want to live it, you know, and and being rich makes that a lot easier. Dude. And when you look in the mirror, there's self-respect and love. You're like, you earned this right? You earned this. So it's it's not even more so about what other people are viewing, although you're going to control perception, influence, and persuasion. Yeah, That's great. But it's more so the internal state that you're always in because you're certain and confident and you feel good, right? And so it's like, it's those things that then perpetuate out and, and cause your life and lifestyle to be different. And so it that, that really catches people, though, it it hurts them in fitness as well as it does in money because people have virtuous reasons in fitness. They also have a lot of virtuous reasons in money, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They want like, there's a lot of virtuous reasons when it comes to just admitting that you want to make money because there's somehow this negative connotation to just being rich. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. the one commonality that I saw is like, Hey, most of the people that are rich that I know, they want to be rich. Right. <laughs> and they're okay yeah. saying it. Right. Right. 
And that doesn't mean they're not going to go, you know, give to charity and, sure. and feed families and, you know, put roofs over people's head. But they don't need that justification because they know in their heart that they're already that kind of person. They don't need to justify it. They're like, hey, I want to be rich. I already know what I'm going to, all the other reasons that it's going to help. And I just think people have a really hard time like admitting that, which is why yeah. my number one core value in Super when I created it was give yourself permission to win. It's okay. Right. And and so that like embodies both of those things is like, hey, it's okay to want a six pack. It's okay to want a hundred million dollars. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive where it's like, oh, it's only for what a lot of people would perceive as selfish reasons or it's only for virtuous reasons. Like it can be all of that, you know, all of but it. but giving yourself that permission to win. And, you know, the point you made about you know, the real impact being with, you know, you looking in the mirror and, you know, having confidence and, and love for yourself, like that's, that's spot on. That's probably one of the biggest, you know, positive results that I've seen so far is it's just, you know, my confidence, right. And it's because I've put in the work, I haven't been perfect, you know, with, with the program, but um, I've put in the work and I've been pretty freaking consistent with it and, you know, pretty disciplined with it. And that, snowballs over time you know when you stack day after day after day on top of each other and uh the the impact is huge one other thing i want to get your thoughts on and then we'll let you uh get back to to the rest of your day but i've heard you talk numerous times about you know when you look back on your time playing in the nfl and, and even playing football in college one of your regrets is that you you don't feel like you dreamed big enough. Talk a little bit about that and and you know what advice would you have to you know the other aspiring entrepreneur or small business or even the the up and coming athlete that that may listen to this like what advice would you have when it comes to you know dreaming big and I guess this goes hand in hand with giving yourself permission to win and and not you know, setting limitations, but expand on, on that thought a little bit, because I've, I've enjoyed hearing you, you talk about that. Yeah. I'm in the camp that think that there's one quality in people that's going to determine how far they go. And right. a lot of people want to say discipline or willpower. And I'm like, yeah, those things are important, but desire and hunger and ambition, right? Like if they're, they could be three different things, but I'm going to talk about them as kind of the same thing, the desire in your heart, the ambition that you have, right? And that, that hunger to, to make yourself something. And so for me, like I always wanted to be a professional athlete. There was a desire there. I obsessed over it from, you know, the time, the earliest memories was like sports and, and professional athlete. And when I got to the NFL, it was almost like looking back, I'm like, yeah, that was inevitable because like I was, I was submersive in my mind about being a professional athlete. Right. And, uh, I got there and the lights were bright. I was like, I made it. And then it was like, man, am I an imposter here? Am I going to get found out? Like, am I really good? And like, I can't believe I'm just a, I'm just a, you know, small town kid from Utah. Right. I never played high school football. Like I made it. And as it was as soon as it was as soon as I remember reading an article going into my third year in Oakland after I had to fight and claw to make the team my first two years because I, I played wide receiver. I did play tight end in Oakland. 
And going into my third year, I read an article by one of their main beat writers. And, he, and they're like, John Madsen's going to be the next big contract for Oakland. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man. Like, this is what I've been waiting for, right? I was minimum salary making 450K a year for the first two years. They're like, he balls out this year in training camp. Like, I'm balling out. They're like, he's going to he's gonna demand a very high paycheck. And so it was like I got scared, man. It was like I, I got scared. I I wasn't I felt like an imposter at that moment. It was very surreal. I lost confidence all at the same time. And you can't ball when you're not confident. I end up getting cut that year. And so what was supposed to be my breakout year becomes my worst year. I lose confidence. I get cut. And I, I realized looking back that my desire to be all pro or Super Bowl champion or have a 15-year career wasn't as strong as it was just to get there. When I got there, it was like my desire and ambition faded. And then it was like the, the work kind of and discipline and all that other stuff kind of also dissipated with it. And so I learned a very big lesson where it's like, hey, man, like as big as you thought you dreamed to play in the NFL, it still wasn't big enough. And when I'm like now in my you know, career with Supra, as my business is trending upwards, I keep that as a reminder. Like these jerseys are kind of a reminder for me. It's not like, hey, I'm awesome. Here's a jersey. It's like that's a reminder to not ever lose that ambition, to, yeah. to not to not lose that desire. And so I think now I just use it as a good reminder. It's like dream bigger than big. We're we're on this planet one time. Who's to say I we can't be a billionaire or we and I'm not saying everyone has to want that, but sure. I'm just not going to I'm not going to cut myself short on bigger goals by by just making it. Do you think there's anything that you've learned since, you know, playing in the NFL that if you were to like go go back to that time, knowing what you know now that you would be able to do to get yourself to to think bigger and and level up the ambition and the drive so that, you know, it, it didn't kind of, you know, fade away or. Do you think maybe sometimes that's just how things are meant to be, right? Because you had something else that was waiting for you to come focus on it. I don't, I don't know if that question makes a lot of sense, but I'm curious, like, if if you're feeling a little bit of that, like, hey, I don't know if I, like, I'm pretty happy where I am right now. And I don't know if I really have the drive to do what's necessary to get to the next level. What can we do to push ourselves to get there or do we step back and say, Hey, maybe, maybe this is an indication that the next level is not where I'm supposed to go. I need to pivot to something else. Yeah. I, I do think that there's kind of that, you know, that door closes because a bigger one's going to open. And it, that's only the case if you believe that, but mm -hmm. to answer your question, if I could go back now, if there was one thing that I know for a fact now that would have gotten me out of that little funk that I was in at the wrong time, it's a, it's awareness around this single fact that I was terrified of failure. And what I mean by that, it was when I lost my confidence, all I could focus on was going back home and getting cut where your focus goes, energy flows. And so I had no, I had no ability to break myself out of the funk because I was so afraid to fail. And what I know now about myself is it wasn't that I was just afraid to fail. It was about what other people thought of that failure. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, he couldn't make it. He couldn't hack it or this or that. Right. 
And now I live my life in such a way where I could, I really could give a shit less about what people think. I really, really could. Right. And so I think that if I had this awareness back then, I would have allowed myself to play without thinking about what my coaches thought, without thinking about what the other players on the field thought, without thinking about what the fans thought, with thinking about the beat writers thought. It was like, I was so afraid to have the spotlight on me. Now I would have just gone out and balled out, like completely balled out. Like my, my ability was there, talent was there. And I can see this in some players, right? Like Travis Kelsey is one of them. Love them, hate them, don't like them. I, I like them for some reasons, don't like them for other reasons, don't need to get into it there, yeah. right? But what I love is like that dude is the epitome of like, bro, like he's just going to go ball out. Yeah, He, he does, not care. does not care. No. And, it, and it's this freedom of play that that is showcased. I couldn't do that. I was locked up in my play because I was so concerned and so afraid about what people thought. And I've had to consider this a lot because the reason why I win more than most in, in my industry is because now I'm playing with that freedom yeah. in my business. I'm playing with that, and people can feel it, and they might not like it, but they but it's a resonance. And most people are so afraid of what what failing might mean to their spouse or to their parents or to their brothers and sisters or to their high school friends. They can't let it rip, man. I can let it rip. I can let it rip all day long. Yeah, I, I love how you put that. You know balling out with with the freedom to just do it and, and do it your way right because i think whether you're talking business or sports like i mean some of the most successful people they're not out there doing it the same way everyone else is doing it or the same way people have always done it and i think you know it's real easy to fall into that that mindset of like well this is just the way it's always done this is the way tight ends run routes right or you know this is the way fitness companies market their business and they don't set income requirements because that's going to piss some people off and, and that's going to limit the number. And, and so what you're doing is different than I think what any other online fitness company is doing and, and the results are, are, uh, you know, speaking for themselves. So I think that's really, really good advice. Um, well, look, man, I know I've kept you for a while now. This has been, you know, awesome as usual. Um, you've been, you know, an inspiration to me and, and had a lot of impact. So I appreciate you appreciate what you're doing with superhuman. Uh, I know you're helping a lot of other people and and hopefully this podcast will be valuable to, to those that listen. And uh, you know, if anyone's out there, you know, and you know that you're, you're not in your peak uh, fitness condition, go check out superhuman. Uh, I'm glad that I did. And uh, I've gotten a ton from it. Tell, tell people where they can find your podcast. John has an awesome podcast. I, I listen to it pretty much every Monday morning. It's a good way to start the week. Uh, where can they find the podcast and where can they learn more about Superhuman? Yeah, so Spotify and iTunes. It's called The Show with John Madsen. If you type in my name, it'll pop up. There's about 285 episodes. Um, it's not a guest show. So, you know, 98% of those episodes are just me ripping it for 20 minutes. Instagram, I am John Madsen, started a new account in May. So um, definitely check that out. And if you are interested in Superhuman, both of those places will point you in the right direction. You could also go straight to the website, suprahuman.com, S-U-P-R-A, and that'll give you all the information that you need to see there. Awesome. We'll put it all in the show notes, make it easy for people to find. But 
John, I appreciate you, man. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, thanks for dropping in here on the Path to Freedom podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.